I'm going to put the egg on the floor so I don't make too much noise. Well, I wager that Psalm 23 is one which is familiar for most of us. I bet it is one of the most familiar Psalms even for non-Christians. One of the most familiar parts of the Bible for them. And I'm aware that given the Christian maturity that we have in this room this morning, that it will be a psalm that is dear to many of you. And if we went around the room and, and heard stories of, of God's, of what he has done through it, then I bet we would hear many stories of his provision and protection and care through this psalm. And so it's for that reason that I invite you again to sit under God's word, sit under Psalm 23 again this morning and hear what he might have to say to us today through it. I'm going to pray in a moment, but first I want to tell you a brief story which will inform that prayer. The first time I went to a Katoomba convention was in 2004. It was called Kickstart. It's now called Kick. And I was in year 12, 2004. That gives you an idea of how old I am or how young I am, depending on your perspective. And since then, I've been to lots of different Katoomba conventions. I've been to KYLC and men's convention and summer school and... Uh, Easter convention, all sorts of different ones. If you've never been to a Katoomba convention, there's a, a big conference centre up in Katoomba which seats thousands of people and they run talks and, and singing and they have, they have big events regularly throughout the year. And uh, So I've been up there several times and on the way home, it has been a habit to reflect on the teaching that we've had. You hear lots of talks and we get the time driving down the mountain to reflect on what we've heard. And I noticed a progression in my reflections on those talks. I noticed that my reflections began as, as thinking, well, what new things had I learnt? What things had I heard that I'd never heard before from those talks? And then it progressed onto, well, what old things have I been reminded of? It moved on from new things I'd learned to old things I'd been reminded of. And as I was thinking about that, I, I realised that these reflections on these talks, it, it, it focused a lot on my learning and not a lot on my living. And consequently, my living was not keeping up with my learning. I knew these truths from the Bible, but did I actually live them out? Could you actually tell in my life that I believed these certain things? I'm going to read you a couple of verse, Bible verses uh, just briefly. It, Jeremiah 17.9 says, My heart is deceitful above all else. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If I could recite all of those sermons word for word, my heart would still need to be instructed. Because I can believe the truths of those words but fail to live out those same truths that I profess to believe. 
And it has been my prayer, and it will be my prayer again as we begin it, looking at Psalm 23, that that would not be so for us this morning. And I, I say this particularly because the title for this sermon is I Lack Nothing. So may we both be reminded of old truths, learn new things, but also, by God's grace, live out these truths in every area of our lives. So let me pray to that end. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us, that you would not leave us in the dark, but that you have given us your word to guide us and help us and teach us and shape us. And we need your help this morning, Lord. When you gave King David the plans to build the temple, he had to pray and ask you to understand them. How much more do we need your help to understand your words and be shaped by them this morning? Lord, please help us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, this morning, we're going to spend the vast majority of our time in verse 1. And I have two, two points. <clears throat> the first point will be spent unpacking the second half of that verse, which says, I lack nothing. And the second point will be spent unpacking the first half of that verse, the Lord is my shepherd. And the reason we're spending our time in one verse is that these two statements, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, they are the, the keys to this psalm. Because everything that follows on, everything that comes after in this psalm, it re, they reinforce the idea that because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. For example, verse 2 to 4, it pictures a sheep with all of its needs met. It lacks nothing. And similarly, verse 5 and 6 picture one of God's people experiencing his protection, provision, faithfulness. All their needs are met. They too lack nothing. So with that, let's go on to point one, which I have called my shepherd, not my circumstances. I lack nothing is a bold statement. It is an all-encompassing phrase. David says, there is nothing on this earth which I need that I do not have. I have everything I need. I lack no thing. That is a bold statement for David to make. But it is not a statement which ignores circumstances. It is, not, uh, it is rather an assertion made despite circumstances. It's not a grit your teeth and smile at all cost kind of moment. Oh yes, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> but really, inside we're wanting, we're lacking. Rather, this is a bold assertion of faith in God. Made in the face of circumstances telling me that I do lack. Or that I am in desperate need. 
It is the assertion that whatever the circumstance, good or bad, I lack nothing. In Psalm 23, David compares himself to a sheep. And in David's context, to be a sheep meant you lived in the Judean wilderness. Do we have a slide for that, perhaps? Ah, there we go. I do apologize for the Shutterstock watermark. I couldn't find a free photo of the Judean wilderness without that. But that is the actual Judean wilderness. And one person who writes about the Psalms, uh, he <clears throat> has a lot to say on the Psalms, he, he says this about the Judean wilderness. He says, It receives far too little rainfall to support a settled population of people and sustain agriculture. But it grows enough grass to support flocks that keep on the move. So a shepherd's task in the wilderness is to find pastures for the flock. As you can see, this is the place where, where the sheep live in, in David's context. So the fact that David, comparing himself to a sheep, could say, I lack nothing, that's an incredible statement. How can he say that? How can he say that in this place? Well, it's because the Lord is his shepherd. His focus is on his shepherd, not the circumstances surrounding him. If he focused on his circumstances, sure, he would find plenty that is lacking, plenty of need. But he knows who his shepherd is. And so he knows that even in a wilderness like this, he lacks nothing because the Lord is his shepherd. And that is the basis for his bold assertion that I lack nothing. I want to give you one additional reason that we can make such a bold assertion ourselves. It's not on the basis of proclaiming it boldly and saying it with confidence. And it's not on the basis that if I have enough faith, then it will be true. Rather, the reason you and I can say I lack nothing is that it is written right here in the eternal words of God. These words which God himself breathed out say, I lack nothing. He is trustworthy and every word of his is trustworthy. I lack nothing. That is trustworthy. Take hold of his promise and find that it proves true because God proves true. If you ever get onto the topic of sport in conversation with me, you'll find that I'm a big rugby union fan. <clears throat> I know it's the game they play in heaven. I just haven't found that in my Bible yet. But I am still looking. 
I played my first two seasons of rugby when I was in the under fives and then the under sixes. And then I played all throughout high school and then I played a couple of years after high school. I played 10 seasons in total. And <clears throat> when I was in year 10, I received three concussions from rugby that season. And after the third one, I was taken to RPA for observation and I was given a CT scan. Everything came back all clear. I was healthy, but my dad said, you have to wear headgear from now on. And I said, okay, as long as I can play. And next year I went back and played. Uh, my final season, my 10th season of rugby, <clears throat> I was third year out of school and I got another three concussions that season from rugby. And the third one knocked me out. And consequently I had a, another CT scan, I had an MRI scan, I saw several specialists. And everything came back all clear. But if you asked anybody who knew me at the time, then they would have told you that something was wrong, something wasn't quite right with my brain. And since then I've had head clashes, I've been knocked in the head with basketballs. That really hurts if you've ever been knocked in the head with a basketball. They're just so solid and when someone throws it, it goes so fast and it really hurts. It got me worried. All those head injuries got me worried. You hear stories of guys in the NFL and they've got head problems after they retire from playing. And I started thinking, am I ever going to fully recover? What's my brain going to be like in 10, 20, 30 years? Will I be okay? And God showed me a few weeks back that when I wake up in the morning, my first thoughts are about how my brain is. Can I think clearly? Have I got less energy than normal? Am I going to be able to do all the things I want to do today, that I need to do today? And as he showed me that, I realised that the way I'd been responding to this circumstance of my head injuries betrayed the fact that I could not say I lack nothing. In fact, my response to the head injuries showed the opposite. It said, I need protection for my brain. I, I need healing. I need more energy. And until those things happen, I'll be in need. I will lack. And so I could not truly say that I lack nothing. My focus had shifted onto my circumstance and I was looking around at my circumstance seeing lack and not my shepherd. But as I shifted my focus by God's grace towards my shepherd, more and more I was able to say I lack nothing. And it wasn't because I suddenly got everything I needed it wasn't because I got everything I wanted, rather. But I realised I already had everything I needed. I had it in my shepherd, my Lord. What do you lack? What do you think you need before you can say, I lack nothing? 
Is it good health? Like me, with my brain? Is it a relationship? Companionship? A job? A certain amount of money? A certain achievement? A certain possession? A certain situation to resolve, improve? What do you need before you can say, I lack nothing? Because God's word says to us, if the Lord is your shepherd, I lack nothing even now. And this, this may bring us to our own moment that, like Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, Father, not my will, but your will. It may bring us to a similar moment for ourselves. It may cause us to need to let go of the things that we think we need and trust that he will provide all that we do need. And this brings us to the second point, the good shepherd. Who is this shepherd who provides all our needs, who may call us to relinquish these things that we think we need? He is the Lord. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And in this second point, I want to give you three reasons that you can trust this shepherd. You can trust what he's doing with your life, whatever that is. Even if you don't understand what he's doing with it, you can trust it. You can trust that he will provide all your needs. The first reason is that he can provide all your needs. See, the Lord who is my shepherd, he is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 2 verse 4, it says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord made the heavens and the earth. The same God who is our shepherd made the heavens and the earth. There's another photo up on the screen. This is the Andromeda galaxy. It's the nearest major galaxy to ours, the Milky Way, and it's approximately 220,000 light years across. Pretty big. But it's a fraction of the universe. And this, along with our universe, was made by the God who promises to provide all your needs. He is able. He can provide all your needs. He is all powerful to provide for your needs. But more than that, he also knows how to provide for all your needs. He knows how to provide for your needs in order to bring about the best outcomes for you. And we see this in Psalm 23. Because the Lord is the shepherd of his sheep. He knows what they need. 
And he provides for them so that in verse 2, they can lie down. There's another person who writes about the Psalms. His name is James Montgomery Boyce. He says this, It is almost impossible for sheep to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Fear, friction between relationships between the sheep, flies, famine. Sheep must be free of each of these to be contented. And they are free of those things in this psalm. The point here is not to draw individual comparisons to those needs of the sheep to ours, to our needs, but it is to see that the shepherd, he knows how to provide for the needs of the sheep so that the best outcome is received by the sheep. And so he knows how to provide for us, to bring about the best outcomes for us. He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. Do you trust that he knows how to provide for all your needs? Do you trust that he knows how to bring about the best outcomes for you? Psalm 23 says he does. Thirdly, our shepherd, this is the best one, I think. Our shepherd wants to provide all your needs. He wants to provide all your needs. Where do we see this? We see it again in Psalm 23 because God Almighty chooses to be our shepherd. He knows we have needs and he chooses to make himself our shepherd, so that he can meet our needs. James Montgomery Boyce again, he says, in Israel, as in other ancient societies, a shepherd's work was considered the lowest of all works. Shepherds had to live with the sheep 24 hours a day, and the task of caring for them was unending. Who in his right mind would choose to be a shepherd? Yet, the Lord has chosen to be our shepherd. The great God of the universe stoops to take just such care of you and me. He chooses to be our shepherd. He wants to provide for our needs. And we see this, we see this desire to provide for our needs also in the good shepherd. In Jesus. John 10, 10 and 11 is on page 1,123. And Jesus says of the sheep, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. <laughs> That's amazing. That our shepherd would lay down his life for us. 
He wants to provide for and protect his sheep, so much so that he would die for them. And he did. (sighs) What a good shepherd we have. That is amazing that our shepherd would die for us. He considers it worth dying to meet our needs. And in his death and resurrection, he has met our deepest needs. Our sins are gone. Our sins are gone. And life is ours. And God is our shepherd. We lack nothing. If you're not a Christian here today, you are missing out. Because Christ is not your shepherd. You're missing out on freedom from the prison of fear and control and worry that only the good shepherd can provide. You also are that precious that he would choose to die for you. That he would die in your place. And he did. He had to die for you because if he didn't, you would take the punishment for your rejection of God. But because he dies for you, he takes the punishment for your rejection of God. Make him your shepherd. If you don't, you will miss out. You'll miss out in this life, And you will miss out in the life to come. The fact that our shepherd died for us is the guarantee that he wants to provide for us. He wants to provide all our needs. It is a guarantee. One final verse on page 1184. It is Romans 8.32. And it says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he did not spare his own son, he will give us all that we need. Those other things are are little things compared to giving us his son. How much more will he give us what we need? The fact he died, he did give us his son, is the guarantee that he will give us those other things that we need. Your shepherd can provide all your needs. He knows how to provide all your needs. He wants to provide all your needs. Well, what do we do in response? Here's, here's a couple of ideas. Entrust your needs to the shepherd. It's an act of faith. It's uh, entrusting to him and saying, my shepherd, you know, you provide. I trust you for all that I need. Repent of taking your needs into your own hands. I've had to do this many times. And I submit to you that if we don't repent of taking our needs into our own hands, we, we won't be able to entrust our needs to him. 
We'll be continually trying to get our needs ourselves. Repent of that. He gives us our needs. He promises to give us our needs. He will give us our needs. Lay hold of God's promise that because he is your shepherd, you lack nothing. Lay hold of it because when we say to him, Father, this is in your word. You promised to do this. You are faithful to your word. You must do this because you're faithful to your word. And then we find that his word does prove true because he proves true. Lay hold of this promise that if he is our shepherd, we lack nothing. And finally, rejoice. Rejoice because all of your needs are now met in Christ. Whatever your circumstance, your, your needs are met in Christ, even now. Well, let me pray to that end. Our gracious God, you are so good to us that although we would sin against you and reject you, and go our own ways, that you would send your son to die in our place. You would send your son to die so that we could return to you. (laughs) And you give us all that we need. We return to you and and you are our shepherd. (laughs) And you promise that we will not lack because you are our shepherd. Father, thank you. Thank you for this grace, this grace which we do not deserve, but which we have in abundance. Thank you. I pray for your help to live this and know this in every area of our lives. For we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.